boarding stations, hands to boarding stations, hands to boarding stations. Port side is the engaged side, hands not involved in boarding operations, clear off the upper deck. Line handlers and boat crew close up, stand by to launch starboard sea boat. That's what fishing boat crews on the wide open Pacific Ocean hear when they're about to be boarded by the New Zealand Navy. So we have two rigid hull inflatable boats, so two ribs uh, on board Topol, one on the port side, one on the starboard side, and that's what we use to transport the boarding party over to the vessel to board. Lieutenant Samara Mankalo is the commander of the inshore patrol vessel HMNZS Topor, now returned from Operation Calypso, a mission around Samoa to detect illegal fishing. They would probably get maybe 30 seconds to a minute would be when they first hear us. It would only be audibly that they would hear us as we come into, into earshot. And you've got to remember that they're standing beside a fishing boat that's making a hell of a lot of noise as well. And Flight Lieutenant Stuart Glendinning spots the boats from the air, captaining one of the Air Force's new Poseidon P-8A aircraft. His crews just returned from a huge multinational surveillance operation northwest of Fiji for the Pacific's Forum Fisheries Agency. We managed to conduct a collection on 68 different fishing vessels across the six days of flying that we did. That's quite a high rate and... Um, particularly given that a lot of the area we covered was actually empty. And uh, that can sound bad, but I guess one of the largest things we can do is be present in the area and act as a deterrence to the illegal fishing. I'm Alexia Russell, and today on The Detail, how are New Zealand's helping to patrol a vast area of ocean in a bid to rid it of illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing, or IUU? We do that in conjunction with the FFA, an organisation encompassing 17 nations that runs about four operations a year from its data centre in the Solomon Islands. Its full name is the Pacific Islands Forum Fisheries Agency. Headquarters are in Honiara, just up on the hill above the city. RNZ Pacific's editor Karoi Hawkins is talking to me about this group that he says is about diplomacy, geopolitics and fish, specifically It operates under the auspices of the Pacific Islands Forum, so the Pacific Islands Forum will have a big say in its direction, but it's pretty much a a standalone entity and and goes about its business in the fishery space uh, and reports back to leaders. So it, it does report back to the forum member countries, which are the leaders in that actual Pacific Islands Forum body. So it's got a huge membership. I mean, there's so many nations involved in the, these operations. Yeah, yeah. No, it's actually it's actually grown over the years. I remember back in Solomon Islands when I was just starting out watching them build the operations centre. It's actually almost like the Starship Enterprise in there up in mm-hmm. Honiara where they see every single boat live, you know, where it is. Um, as long as it's monitoring stuff's on and um, there's so many different nations that are involved. And as well as the tuna fishery, I guess a side benefit or parallel benefit is it provides security and surveillance for issues like like drug trafficking and all of that that's also going on in the region, but also the same um, resources and facilities used to also help with search and rescue and, and things like that. So they have all the information about who should be in the area, what licences they have, all the kind of things that can be fed through to our Air Force and Navy when they pick these people up? Yes. So this is where I can probably segue into illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing, which are the the three 
different. Sometimes they happen together. Sometimes they happen by themselves. The three instances which these uh, people that are managing fisheries are worried about. The biggest uh, risk uh, in terms of illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing is that fishing vessels are underreporting their catches, and that's where our focus now at the moment. Illegal fishing is basically when vessels fail to comply with licensing conditions put upon their operations, the type of gear they use, access restrictions, and so on by either their own legislation in their flag countries where the ships are flagged to, or the legislation in the places where they're fishing. That's the I and IUU. Unreported fishing is catch that's either not reported, so they're saying they're catching one thing, but they're actually catching another, or it's catch that's misreported in terms of saying, I caught 50 tons, but actually I caught 70 tons, for example. So that's unreported fishing. And unregulated fishing is less common now than it used to be. And that's where countries that are not part of the FFA group or that are not members to the Pacific Tuna Commission and would claim that they actually don't go by the rules because they didn't sign up to it come into waters and basically uh, almost like pirate fishing in terms of, of just doing whatever they want. So there's there's been less and less of that with the kind of surveillance that's up and about right now. So it's working? It, it's, it is in a way. We, had a, we used to have um, massive problems with, um, they were coloured blue, so they were called blue boats, but they were Vietnamese fishing vessels that came a long way out, wooden boats, really hard to detect, had no recording or, or reporting devices on board and just went from reef to reef. And the only way they were getting picked up was by communities getting concerned that these boats are turning up and getting bitched in and shark fins and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so that we, we that was used to be a problem uh, a couple of years back, but that seems to be less and less. So apparently at the moment, the unreported fishing or catch that's not being reported or being misreported is one of the bigger problems. And uh, illegal fishing, again, they've really stepped up the fines and, and the, the risk for reward is not that great anymore in terms of what you're slapped with if you, if you don't follow what you agreed to follow. Some studies estimate losses of up to 50 billion US dollars worldwide due to illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing. These are substantial losses, especially for impacted developing economies. It's a battle nations in the Pacific are having increased success against due to regional and national cooperation, collaboration and action. The data that we're seeing is that it has been coming down year by year mm-hmm. in terms of instances. Yeah, So we used to see uh, when they did these big operations in the region where they go out and do a massive surveillance operation, there would be like four or five boats that have been illegally fishing, unreported fishing. And now each year we're seeing less and less reported and more minor infringements reported. But also I think some of it ties in line with if they're already doing something illegally in the fishing space, then they could also be dumping off bales of cocaine in the ocean or illegally transshipping or even coming into crew welfare. They might not be paying their crew well or actually might have actual uh, slave labor going on on board. So it's all kind of tied up together. It's a huge, I don't want to say problem, it's a huge challenge. Squadron leader Stephen Graham's the executive officer for the Poseidon Squadron based at Ohakia. Because the areas are so large and it has to have this multinational, I guess, even multilateral approach because these are tuna. They don't stay in one place. So no matter how good, for example, Tonga's fisheries enforcement might be, 
if everybody else around them isn't doing their bit, then it, it really doesn't matter. So that's why it's got this kind of joined up approach because it's the only way to manage a fish stock like this. It's not like, you know, for example, the snapper fishery around New Zealand, which is just New Zealand's and we can do it quite well on our own. When the FFA have an operation that they plan, they set it up from their headquarters, which is in Honiara, and there's a there is an NZDF person embedded there, and they will talk with the National Maritime Coordination Centre, which is in our Joint Forces headquarters, and then out of there will come the tasking for the unit uh, to support a certain operation, and then, and kind of only then is when we'd start looking in detail about what their requirements are for the operation, but. FFA's focus, I suppose, as you would expect, is fishing enforcement within the exclusive economic zones of Pacific Forum nations, along with the high seas areas in between those EEZs. We aren't really involved in the sort of the prosecution and, and follow-up side of the enforcement. Our job is really to go out there and gather information, and then we hand that over to the FFA. To be honest, most of the things we see most of the time are what we call technical infringements. So fishing gear that's not set up correctly. For example, the, the systems that are designed to protect birds uh, from getting caught up in long lines and things like that. And vessels, for example, setting long lines when they're not supposed to uh, at the wrong time of day, wrong type of equipment, minor problems with licensing and things like that. But in terms of the flagrant stuff, it's it's just not as frequent, which is fantastic. Flight Lieutenant Stuart Glendinning has recently returned from Operation Island Chief, which covered 18.2 million square kilometres of ocean. We managed to conduct collection on 68 different fishing vessels across the six days of flying that we did. That's quite a high rate, and um, particularly given that a lot of the area we covered was actually empty, and that can sound bad, but I guess one of the largest things we can do is be present in the area and act as a deterrence to the illegal fishing. So to to go out and confirm that a, a country's exclusive economic zone, for example, Tuvalu, is largely empty other than a couple of vessels shows that we're doing our job. It shows that the, the licensing process is being upheld and respected and that the country's exclusive economic zone is being respected. So it's, um, it's quite good to see that. I would say we found more vessels in this patrol than I have in previous ones. However, finding an area of ocean within a country's exclusive economic zone to be empty is also a, it's a positive. So when you say you, you reported the activities and positions of 68 vessels, is that who may or may not have been illegal fishing or were they all offenders? No, absolutely not. Um, a lot of them are fishing legally. A lot of them are, are licensed. And on the aircraft, we carry a lot of uh, license lists, basically, uh, to ensure that we can get up-to-date information. So we can quite quickly ascertain whether a vessel is legally allowed to be conducting fishing activity in an area. And then uh, we still collect imagery on them down to quite a, a detailed level, as, as detailed as we can get when you're travelling in 500 k's now. Um <laughs> We, we get in quite close to the vessel and take uh, high-resolution imagery. That gets processed back here in New Zealand and also by the, the FFA for minor infringements. You know, the, the things that we've seen in the past is in that analysis, you find that there's shark fins on board the vessel and it might actually be that they are conducting shark finning, which can be illegal if they're not utilising the rest of the catch, um, if they're just discarding the, the shark back overboard after taking the fins. Um, that's an example of an infringement that we might not see in our initial detection, but by collecting high-resolution imagery and sending it back 
the secondary analysis can can catch it and still uh, conduct an, an infringement against those vessels. So is the Poseidon good enough to detect how much is on board or can you only see what's visible on the deck? It's uh, it's only what's visible on deck, unfortunately. Um, for us, we really look at what's on the surface of the vessel. There's no real way to, to assess the inside catch. However, a lot of vessels are mandated to report catch quantities, the rates, the dates that they uh, that they conduct fishing. And so we can provide as much imagery as we can. And if that doesn't actually match up with what they report, then that could still lead to an infringement. And in terms of the new Poseidon, what are the technical capabilities that are an improvement on the old planes? I guess the Poseidon largely has filled the same role as our P3. And the the beauty of it was that our P3 was very well looked after and upgraded over the years. So it was still a very capable aircraft. The Poseidon gives us a significant improvement in reliability, but there is, as you alluded to, some technical improvements. Our camera, for example, is our one of our primary visual sensors for imaging, and it is a higher resolution upgrade on the camera that was on the P3. And what that has led to means that we can capture imagery off moving targets a lot more efficiently than we could on the P3. We used to utilize a person holding a, a proper DSLR camera and taking a photo out the window uh, oh gosh. on the P3, which, as I'm sure you can understand, when you are traveling as fast as we do, it takes some coordination to line the aircraft up perfectly and, and get that photo. And you do that all day for a day. It's, it's pretty fatiguing and uh, time consuming. With the P8 camera being so advanced, we can fly as closer as far as we want really from the vessels and still get the imagery as required and then carry on. We don't really find that um, we're losing any efficiency. If not, we're we're much more efficient because of it. And can you see enough to see the look on people's faces? A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> really? uh, sometimes you can sometimes you can see too much. Yeah. There's um it's it's pretty staggering what you can see with this camera. It's very impressive. Like what? What have you picked up? Do you see people hanging out their laundry? You can see what laundry they're hanging out, watch people uh, relaxing, washing. <laughs> I mean, they're in the middle of the ocean. They couldn't really be further from civilization. Yeah. And uh, they'd probably get about 30 seconds warning before they could hear the P8, and uh, then we're alongside them, um, which is you know, the beauty of it as well, is that we can we get to places that seem so un- unreachable, but that's often where a lot of the unregulated or illegal behavior is going on. So. Yeah. While we may uh, catch them just going about their business as they prepare the ship for fishing, we may also surprise them and, and find them conducting illegal operations. On the really wide area, it's uh, things like satellite-based vessel monitoring systems. So all of the vessels which are reporting, they can just look at this on a screen back in Honiara, and they'll be getting regular updates from those vessels as well. Then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got the surface ships which are involved, and they they can board a ship. Uh, a fishing vessel and take a look at their catch and, and work out exactly how much is in their hold and things like that, or they can get inspected at a port or something like that. And then our job kind of sits in the middle. If a ship isn't reporting on vessel monitoring over over satellites, then they don't know it's there unless somebody actually goes out and has a look for it. You could do this with a surface ship, but what we can provide is much, much greater area coverage because we've got this really wonderful big radar horizon. We've got really high speed and we can jump around the Pacific much, much quicker than you could ever do with a ship. But we can't board anybody. We can't inspect their catch. So I think it's only by combining those three parts of the operation and then all of the intelligence and planning that goes on in the background that you get a, a really effective result. Hands in, not muster. Hands in, not muster. 
Operation Calypso was partnered with the FFA and also New Zealand MPI and the Samoan Maritime Police and Samoan Maritime Fisheries. So this was a collaborative approach to the region. HMNZS Topo is an inshore patrol vessel which is usually tasked around New Zealand waters but it's just come back from Samoa after taking part in an FFA operation. I meet Commanding Officer Lieutenant Samara Mankalo at the Devonport Naval Base. We're on the bridge of the ship and this is essentially the core of the operations of what happens at sea. So the bridge is crewed 24-7 with a team of no less than three and that's the officer of the watch who's navigating the ship, uh, keeping the ship safe and executing the programme. Once we arrived in Samoa we berthed in Apia um, and we met the Samoan Maritime Police who had been undergoing a bit of training with New Zealand's maritime training team. So they went ahead of the ship just to help with our partnered approach of teaching the Samoan Maritime Police how we do boardings and how we go about life at sea so that I could then take them to sea on here and we could do a patrol of their waters. What did you find? So we did a, the following week after that we proceeded to sea, we covered the entire EUZ uh, and we found quite a few fishing vessels and quite a few uh, long lines that had been set with their boys. So, Which is illegal? Well it depends on that particular vessel and the permits they have. So what we were doing is we were monitoring the vessel's activity and then deciding whether to board them or not. And because we had New Zealand MPI, Samoan Fisheries Officers and Samoan Maritime Police, we could culminate their information with the FFA to decide whether we were going to go ahead with the boarding or not. The, the vessels get uh, inspected when they come into Apia to offload their catch. So there was quite a lot of information available to us to decide what we were going to do next while we were going about our patrol. The fisheries officers from Samoa that we had on board, they had a list of all the vessels that had purchased or applied for a permit to be fishing in the Samoan waters. Um, and so those ones, you know, we were checking their paperwork, their certificates, their dates of their permit, for example. Um, and then there are some vessels that, for instance, we may have come across that maybe didn't have a permit. And so the way that all the EZs work in the Pacific is that they all kind of overlap, but there are a few pockets which are high seas areas, and that's where a lot of vessels can can fish. Um, but it's the fact that they then have to transit through an EZ to offload their catch somewhere, and it's about whether they're fishing on the way through the EZ to offload their catch or not. And are they Samoan boats, or are they from all over the place? From all over the Asia and South Pacific region. Um, but I think the biggest thing that, or the biggest benefit of us continuing to partner in that region is the presence. And it's not often that the uh, Samoan EZ or most of those EZs have a grey warship patrolling its waters. And so the fact that we were seen and that we did a few boardings will ripple effect um, to continue, yeah, to continue to benefit that stability and security. Okay. So when you board, what are the mechanics of that? Do you just pull alongside and? a rope or how does that work? So what we'll do is the the team I spoke about up here, the officer of the watch for instance, they will detect the vessel using the radar, using visual, what have you and we will close up a team to ascertain whether it's a vessel we may be interested in or not Um, and so that involves those other government agency personnel we have on board um, and we continue to 
watch the vessel's behaviour. Whether we can see them or not, we can determine if they're fishing via how fast they're going or what direction they may be heading in, for example. Um, and then we start to get the team ready on here. So we will, uh, what we call, close up to boarding stations, which tells the boarding team, basically, get ready, we are going to do a boarding of a vessel or we're going to prepare to board. Um, and we'll have communicators in the communications area over here and we'll commence hailing the vessel um, over the VHF radio. And the hails will extend from what flag are you, what uh, are you doing, are you a fishing vessel, how much catch do you have on board, where was your last port of call, where's your next port of call, how many people do you have on board, to just start painting the picture and we can understand as much of the vessel as we can. We then have a boarding command brief where we have the relative heads of department come up and provide information to me as the command to make a decision as to whether it is safe and that we are ready to board the vessel. So we consider things like the stability of the vessel, is it sitting well in the water, how does it look in terms of um, the watertight integrity or where's the best place to actually get on. The boarding officer confirms the main intent of the boarding, the main request for information that we're trying to either collaborate with what we already know about it or from what we get from the hails as well. What we would do as well is if we were going to board them we encourage them to continue hauling their nets because we didn't want them to stop fishing, we didn't want to interrupt their day. It's more of a, you keep doing what you're doing, we're going to come and have a look. Then it gives their fisheries officers a chance to observe how they're fishing as well because it's about, not just about the illegal, unreported fishing, but it's also about trying to secure and maintain the biodiversity and all of that of the whole region. Also the, the health and safety of the vessels. And that's something that was a common theme uh, in our recent patrol is that quite a few of the vessels had the right permit, they were doing the right thing, but the uh, Samoans noted down that maybe they didn't meet the required health and safety standards of a vessel fishing in their waters. So, and and that, was, that was a friendly reminder on things like life jackets, fire extinguishers. What you'd expect on a vessel here may not be on a vessel up there. The positive story is that of all the oceans in the world, because of this regional institution, the FFA, because of this regional commitment to managing fisheries, the Pacific tuna fisheries, uh, particularly the, the Persane fishery, is among the healthiest in the world. The Pacific countries are actually leading in terms of saying, hey, this is all of our fish all together, and if we don't look after it, we're not going to have anything left. It's important because the Pacific is our backyard, and New Zealand is such a large maritime nation, and they are on our doorstep, essentially. There's so much water up there. You can just look at a, at a world map to see that. And so it's important that we are all working together as partners to make sure that we're looking after not just the future of fisheries, but that we are enforcing stability across the whole region. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The details supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Mark Jennings and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to RNZ Pacific's Coroy Hawkins, Squadron Leader Stephen Graham and Flight Lieutenant Stuart Glenn Dinning from the Air Force and the Navy's Lieutenant Samara Mankalo. Ka kite anō.